Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Amazon releases Ring doorbell video to police without consent from or even notification to Ring owners. Twitter had a 40-plus minute outage. Its newsletter service review was down for over a day. And some employees are saying that there's a strong leadership problem at the helm in the wake of Elon Musk reneging on his takeover bid. Uber settles a lawsuit with DOJ for overcharging passengers with disabilities. And over 600 business leaders teamed up with Code.org to ask state governments and boards of education to add computer science to core curriculums. We've got all this and more for you in Episode 44 of The Tech John. From Columbus, Ohio, I'm your host, Rob Dunwood. And coming out of Philly, it's your girl, Tech Life Steph. And out of Atlanta, this is Terrence Gaines, a.k.a. Brother Tech, a.k.a. I am uh, remodeled out. Uh, I have a 14-year-old that is going to high school, so we decided to give her a more uh, more grown-ish uh, room. So I spent all weekend assembling furniture, uh, hung up a ceiling fan, this is my fault. I could have just got a regular ceiling fan. I had to get the <laughs> the smart ceiling fan with all the Wi-Fi and the home kit. Of course you did. And well, as a result, as a result of that, it took me two days to get that thing up and connected. So uh, lessons learned. Uh, the next time I would do a ceiling fan, I'll be a little bit faster. But uh, smart ain't always that smart, <laughs> to say the least. But. And in the result, you know, she got nice, uh, got some nice air going through there. And we uh, uh, did one of those modular closets for mm-hmm. her uh, closet versus what I did before, <laughs> what I called modular. It was one of them little Home Depot joints where you go and get the wires and then you can adjust the levels mm-hmm. and it had the little things. Those are OK when you're like four or five, six. But clearly she was outgrowing her closet and wanted something a little bit more uh, grown. So um, ended up looking nice. Got a couple of things. She got a bed. Got to change the bed out. A couple of things. But other than that, she now she feels like she's going to high school. So mm-hmm. that was nice. Something I was able to provide because <laughs> when I was in high school, I had to share my room with my little brother. So Listen, now she's got We a, did what we had to do. <laughs> exactly. So you want your kids to grow up just a little bit better than you did. So I think I'm able to accomplish that with her nice little uh, home away from home, for lack of a better term. That's so I, I would just say home. this. I hope that you 
you know, you, you took some notes or at least you have, you know, good memory of everything you set up, uh, with your ceiling fan. And I also want to uh, bite off of you because I, I heard you say you, uh, you know, you started replacing some of your old, uh, you know, switches with Lutron it's switches. Uh-huh. Um, yep. and I don't want to research none of that. So I'm just going to let all my homies do all the hard work first and then tell me what works. And then like six months later, I'm just going to come right behind you. So, so, yeah, so just smart switches have gotten a lot better. Those Insteon ones, even getting those in there originally, they had a whole many extra wires than they needed to. So it took me a while to get those in. These Lutron joints, the hot wire that provides the power they're interchangeable. So you can't mess it up before with the Insteon ones, you had to make sure every wire was right. or nothing working. Maybe it's just smart home technology has gotten better. Maybe this is Lutron's way, but you can't mess. If you mess this up, you need to just not live in a house the way they got these new wires set up. Yeah. I could mess it up, which is why I'm just going, like I said, I'm just going to, I'm going, you know, whatever you got in about six months. Mm-hmm. Hey, is that, is that fan still working? And Lutron switch is still doing good for you. When you say, mm-hmm. yeah. All right. Then we make the trip over to Lowe's or Home Depot or wherever online we go. We go buy that stuff from. The only thing I don't like about our house, this is not the smart ceiling fan, but our house is janky. It's an older house. It's not when I say older, it's not 1900 turn of the century, but it's like 1986. And I can tell those contractors was like, look, does the light turn on? Cool. We're done. Because I would have wished the ceiling fan and the light to the house were on separate wires. It's all on one wire. So trying to, the light has to be on the, let me not say the light has to be on. Power has to be to the ceiling fan in order for it to run. So at the switch, Mm -hmm. the switch has to be on. But then with the little remote she's got, she can do the light and the ceiling fan independently. I wish the light at the switch didn't have to be on for her to do the light and the fan independently, but that's what it is. But that's the only drawback. But that's that's not the ceiling fan thing. That's the house thing. First world problems, man. Right. First exactly. <laughs> exactly. I'm just like, if, I'm like, is, is, I don't, I'm not under, I'm not hearing a problem here. I just, I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but I'm, I'm really not hearing a problem here. Yeah, no, that's definitely know, first world problems. Not having to get up and walk eight feet to turn on a light switch. <laughs> it's just a, it's just a comfort that once you have it and see, here's, here's why I need it. All my children are soon about to be out the house. So I don't have anybody that I can actually tell, go turn that on. <laughs> Cause that used to be a thing, you know, uh, and you know, that, that used to be a thing. So now I have oh, to yeah, get your my, kid was my like your television's remote control. And so probably my daughter doesn't want all that stuff and all that smart stuff. I was like, now with this, with this ceiling fan, I'm talking to her over on Sunday. Now with this ceiling fan, you can use your phone. You can use your voice. She's like, I don't want all that. I don't want all that. Listen, I I did my new, my new super quiet uh, air conditioner has a remote control that I will use occasionally just to turn it off. Cause like, I don't typically sleep with an air conditioner at night. Uh, it's just, it's just too cold for me. I, and I have a ceiling fan. So that is always on like literally. Mm-hmm. And if I'm in this room, it's on. Um, but 
just to be able to turn the air conditioner off from my bed when it's late is, is a, is a bonus, is a, is a little mm-hmm. bonus, but I doubt that I would like try to connect everything in here to like an app and just want to have like master control from some app or something. I'm good. I don't need all that. <laughs> so y'all let's go ahead and uh, start a tech show. And uh, even though we weren't deep into conversation just now about home automation, um, the next story is kind of home automation related. And, you know, uh, you know, by the way that Amazon um, and their product ring, uh, I don't want to say they're getting into trouble, but they're just letting you know some stuff that you, you probably, we, we all probably kind of assumed they were doing this anyway, but now they've come out and actually said it, but uh, Amazon is snitching. Um, <laughs> you know, they, they, they're, they're giving the police information without your consent. And not only that, they're doing it without your consent and they're not even letting you know after they've done it. Mm-mm. That's uh, but, I, uh, you know, I put uh, my notes. What? Where? Where's the camera? I knew it. Yeah. I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> but yeah. that story has been out for a minute. That uh, uh, Amazon, well, Ring. Maybe not say Amazon. Ring had some. No, sort it's Amazon. Of, Ring owns Amazon. Or, or Amazon is. Well, even before, yeah, even Ring before that Amazon, acquisition so. happened, Ring yeah. has been Ring has been in bed with law yeah. enforcement from like day one. You know, yep. well yep. before the acquisition by Amazon. So that that's always been an issue. Um, but we have Ring. assumed. Well, let me not say we. I have assumed. Well, when you watch the nightly news, you know, a lot of the footage that the news gets when it comes to stories as it relates to home break ins. As it relates to neighborhood things, um, uh, porch pirates, mm-hmm. all of that, all of that footage, I assume came from, uh, ring cameras and, and we'll just use ring since we're talking about ring for this subject. Um, mm-hmm. but we, as- but I assumed that like most of us, the police would ask <laughs> the users, you know, we've had some break-ins in the area or you had a break-in in your house. Can we, obtain the footage to do our job or whatever. So I think most of us were assuming that yes, ring was in bed with the police, but we assumed they was asking us directly. And then we we say, yes, then they would do their little backing connection to ring, pull all the footage, whatever, whatever, whatever. But this story, (laughs) but no, (laughs) no, nope. They're asking, they ain't asking us. So, you know, so I'll just read here. So Amazon admitted that 11 times through July 1st. So that's basically the first six months of this year. And that's just uh, this year, just, just year. Mm -hmm. They have handed over private ring doorbell video to the police without knowledge or consent of the customers who own the cameras in compliance with an emergency request made by the authority. So they're basically saying, this is really important. We need to get this. Uh, in fact, uh, you know, in each instance, Ring made a good faith determination that there was, what do they say here, imminent danger and death or serious physical injury, um, you know, um, potentially at stake if they didn't give this information over. No. Um, so, but basically the way I see this is that if you don't have your data encrypted in the cloud, Amazon's going to do with it what they will, because that's, that's what they've done here. They made a determination that without warrant, we're going, or without even your consent or a warrant, we're going to go give your video to the police. Now, I understand that it is for potentially a greater good, no. but 
I would feel more comfortable if a judge was saying, yes, g- you know, get this information. Or even beyond a judge, if there was an actual process to determine what constitutes an emergency, there's no even process between ring and the law enforcement to say, well, it has to be a report of a this type of felony boxes. or, you know, what? there's no process at all. All the police have to do is say, well, it's an emergency. And, mm-hmm. and we all know how honest and, and, and upstanding and reputable the police can be. They never abuse their power. Um, so it's just like they can ask for it whenever they feel like it. If, if some rogue cop who is stalking his ex-girlfriend wants her ring camera, you know, information and, and, and tells ring it's an emergency, they're going to give it to him. So it's just like that's that's a huge, huge problem. Yeah. Yep. Especially if they ain't even bothering to ask the owners or the the users of the ring, you would think they would come through us. And if I say sure, because something happened in the area, you know, I'm concerned about a neighbor. Sure. You know, I would expect, you know, personally, if something was happening in my neighborhood and I was aware of something and the police came and said, hey, we've had a disturbance. We were aware of something, something intimate, whatever the case was going on. Can we access your feed or access your data? You know, it's up to me to say sure or say no. And then have them, like uh, Stephanie said, have this process to where they have to check all these boxes in order to get my information. But the fact they're not even doing that. There was something about that, though. Um, uh, Ring had and had Ring used to allow law enforcement to contact ring owners directly, uh, the video camera doorbell owners directly. Um, back in 2020, I read this on a different site on, on Electric Frontier Foundation site. Uh, police requested videos over 20,000 times so they can go through that neighbor's app and go mm-hmm. straight to the source. But mm-hmm. they stopped letting them do that because people, uh, some activists and different people were protesting the fact that the police did have that direct access to consumers and and they stopped doing that. So I don't know if maybe they need to allow that back in and let the, the ring owner make the decision. And then, you know, because I think then it would, it would, most people would be like, well, why is it an emergency? And, and what, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. People might have more stringent standards to, mm-hmm. as, as to what constitutes an emergency than, than ring does. Cause they, I don't think they have any skin in the game. They're like, well, okay, here, here, emergency, here you go. But a well, person well, whose home this is might be like, well, wait a minute. You know, why do you need this? Tell me again. Mm-hmm. So maybe they need to let reinstate that policy. So. Um, Ring or Amazon, they are saying that they only did this when there was imminent danger of death or serious physical injury. That's what they're saying. I understand that. <laughs> I'm just saying if that's the case, it really wouldn't take much longer for this process if they had to get a warrant from, right. you know, from a judge. I have, you know, I, I'm not a lawyer. I don't know how this stuff works, but I do know that there are times when warrants can be gotten very, very quickly because of imminent threats. So. I would just feel more comfortable that a judge, someone who has gone to law school and, you know, and supposedly understands the laws and and how they should be applied is making this determination Mm -hmm. as compared to police officers who show us over and 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 over that they don't understand the laws that they are actually paid to. You know, they don't have they don't have the citizens best interests at all. In the forefront, maybe as a secondary or tertiary thing, but primarily it's like, look, we need to 
protect ourselves. And oh yeah, you know, uh, protecting sir. <laughs> and then Ring's been out of pocket for a minute though, um, because again, I was I, I looked at a couple different sources um, to get some more insight into this stuff. And as it turns out, Ring ha- has been training police officers as salespeople to promote ring to, to consumers and, and, and help them they, to the point where they're even helping them install them mm-hmm. and, and different things like that. Um, they also will not commit to not using voice recognition or facial recognition AI um, in their products. And I didn't realize you can record audio from up to 25 feet away. So this ain't even nobody that's on your porch trying to get in your house. This could just be me riding my bike down the street. And now you got my whole conversation too. Like that's there's there's a lot of stuff wrong with with so, this whole scenario right now. So so real talk, I have a brand new 2-year-old ring sitting in the box that I have never installed because right after I purchased it, it was when we first well, when I first started hearing about stories about how the police were ultimately, you know, able to get some of that information. And this is not me being anti-police. This is not that. It's just that I just, it just didn't sit nah, right with son. me. It felt <laughs> icky. It's like, nah, I'm not trying to be of that level of service to the police. I'm just, I'm just not. So in a perfect, in a perfect world, maybe, but we're not in a perfect world. Exactly. <laughs> far we're from. in America far from. and yeah, uh, the surveillance state is, is real these days. Well, I- my favorite, my favorite phrase is the road to hell is paved with good intentions. <laughs> good intentions. Yeah, it, it absolutely is. 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 So <laughs> you know, before we end this uh, topic, w- one way that Ring could rectify this, uh, one, one way that it would make me and I would assume people who feel like me feel better, just encrypt the data in the cloud. Give me, you know, let, let me uh, supply an things, encryption yeah. key. And when it uploads to the cloud, uh, it's there. It's on your server. I'm still paying you for, for this service. You know, you're still getting your money, but in order to see my video, you've got to get my encryption key. Um, therefore you've got to come through me. Um, because they don't do that. My ring has yet to be installed. So, uh, mm-hmm. that is some something do that. that is, yeah. So that's one of the reasons why I just, why I didn't get a ring. I have a circle, uh, logic tech circle view that. Uh, connects to HomeKit secure video, which does exactly that. Not only does it encrypt the video, but the video is only sitting on, it's sitting on iCloud servers, but it's encrypted via my, uh, home automation. So that's one of the main reasons why I didn't pick Ring in the first place. But every other door that I've gone to when I go mm-hmm. pick up my kids, all of them had that little Ring logo on there. And this is like, <laughs> <laughs> Hello? Hello? Can, can my daughter come home? <laughs> yeah. And I have no problem with all the folks who post all the video of them giving their delivery people, uh, you know, treats and candy and mm-hmm. ask them to do crazy things like hop over this stone and, you know, jump over the side of the, you know, it's amazing to me that the number of people who are actually on their job who do that kind of stuff, all that stuff is good and fine. But when it comes to the police saying, yeah, can I have that video? No, actually, they're not even doing that. Though. I mean, this is the case. They're not even asking you for the video. They're just mm-hmm. getting the video directly from, uh, you know, directly from Amazon. So, yeah, I, I, I'm not a fan. I, I hope that Ring starts encrypting their data because this story should not make anybody feel good about getting a ring. Based on this video, why would they? They ain't even trying. Yeah, I just, yeah, I feel like they are just way too intertwined with law enforcement at this point to 
Um, it's Which same Amazon, sense. you know, as a police, if I was, uh, one of those police officers, sure, because I'm pretty sure that one, <laughs> Amazon had given them some sort of kickbacks of some sort. Number well, they were two. getting, they were, they had, they had affiliate links when they were selling the oh, rings and stuff right. like that. So, yeah. They, they were getting discount. They were getting free devices of themselves, but they were also getting an affiliate link where they would get a commission when they were training so, them to sell. Right. So there's that. Then there is getting access to more cameras. Mm-hmm. If police, you know, if, the, if we're going to be not, if we're going to be, if it turns out that we're a surveillance state, then who the police who installed the doggone things are the ones who the people are going to actually get the access. So it's like, all right, that's just more data, more footage for us. So why don't we be the ones that's actually conspiracy? And that ain't even no conspiracy. That's just logic. Let me get, let me install it to make sure I got access when I need it. Exactly. Exactly. We're not sure what happened to Rob. He kind of, Oh, Rob says he had a power outage. Um, but we're going to keep it moving because this is what we do at Detect John. We're going to talk about Twitter. <laughs> talk, speaking of outages, how's that right. for uh, well, uh, a segue? segue. <laughs> uh, Twitter experienced an outage. Um, this was on uh, last Thursday, the 14th, mm-hmm. for about 40 minutes. And, you know, I, I, I don't get on Twitter that much. I, I And I, I don't know that I've just like very, very deliberately and intentionally just stopped using it when the whole must thing started. But I definitely just backed way off when mm-hmm. that happened. And then once I did, I just realized I didn't need it because I don't really use Twitter that much anymore. Um, like I said, it wasn't like I was just like F Twitter, F Musk, whatever. But I just was like, eh, let me just fall back and see what happens, see how this whole thing plays out. Um, so I had no idea that that even happened. Yeah, I'm I'm the same. I didn't I'm not on Twitter all that much, so I ne- didn't even notice that there was an outage until uh Rob put in one of our groups that Twitter was out. And then by the time I saw that message, I went on Twitter and everything was fine. So mm-hmm. I assumed that it was only out like two to five minutes. But according to this story, it was on it went off around eight o'clock uh Eastern and then mm-hmm. didn't come back on till around nine o'clock, so about an hour went by, so it would be interesting to see or hear, or if you any of you have it heard of, <laughs> did the world stand still seems, that Twitter was out? Very conven- so, it seems very convenient, though, that there'd be an outage. I wonder what kind of message this is so, supposed to send to here, anybody. Here's the thing. <laughs> I noticed it immediately because... As the article said, it went out around eight o'clock and eight o'clock. I usually almost daily put something on Twitter or at least I'm checking it around eight o'clock. That's like my regular schedule. So I'm right in the middle of like retweeting something and I start getting these, uh, you know, these error messages. And I'm like, okay, that's weird. But it's the, the weird thing was that you could still get into the Twitter app. You could actually still open up Twitter and you could see stuff that was already posted. It was just new stuff wasn't coming out. Mm-hmm. So that's when I hit, uh, you know, our little uh, group chat up, Terrence, about, hey, is anybody else, uh, you know, having this? And then, you know, one of our partners told us like, yeah, he, he couldn't get in either. And it was like right at that moment, the earth realized that Twitter was down. And I just have to say this, um, all the stuff that is going on with Twitter with Elon Musk and all of that, there, there's a reason because Twitter to affect so many people. So, you know, for, for 48 minutes or however long it was down so severely, you would think that they would be, they would be doing better in the social media game. 
than they are. Um, and so, so there's, there, maybe there's some things that they need to do, but Twitter went down but that, last but week. But that was what we said about when Facebook went down and it was like, why aren't they better at redundancy? They should know yeah. how to do this. They should really, you know what I mean? Like what happened, blah, blah, blah. Um, and so, to be fair to know, Twitter, this one wasn't nearly as bad as that. It was only, only 40 minutes that Earth could talk, um, through their favorite, uh, you know, chat app to send news and stuff like that. But what I, what I thought was interesting, was that the previous week, Twitter, uh, they have a, uh, an, an actual email, uh, list service, uh, you know, um, application called review. Um, it's kind of like if, if anybody's ever heard of Substack, uh, it's kind of like that, but basically you can sign up a free newsletter on this thing, um, review and it's actually integrated into Twitter. It went down, um, you know, the week before this for well over 24 hours. I mean, it was, it was down, down. And what was really interesting that even though they were having DNS issues, you would think that a company the size of Twitter would have the ability that even if they're having nightmarish DNS issues, that they could at least post up a page and say, hey, we're having issues so that people just don't go and see like a 404 error or, or, or whatever it was that people were getting um, when this service uh, review was down. And, you know, you know, some folks are saying, oh, well, it's not really Twitter. Well, I think it is because Twitter has integrated it. You know, I don't know if you guys have noticed this or if you've been on Twitter enough, but there are people who have these newsletters. And if you have one set up, you actually have the ability to integrate it right into your profile. So when somebody goes and takes a look at your Twitter profile, if you have a, uh, a review newsletter and you click the checkbox to allow it to, uh, you know, propagate to your Twitter profile, anytime anybody looks at that, they'll actually see a big badge, a big banner for your newsletter right there on, uh, you know, Twitter's real estate. So I would say that they are pretty integrated. And so that was, you know, less than a week before the actual Twitter outage. And then, and you know, I might have been related. I mean, I think they might have been related. Maybe, maybe not. I mean, it still sounds like, um, that particular service might be relatively new. Uh, so it could have just been some sort of chain reaction thing. Um, or it just could have been, yeah. you know, some, some musk loyalist, you know, uh, in the, in the basement. So is that I'm what not going to put out there into the ether? A couple lines of malicious code to, to the mix. <laughs> I'm not going to put out there into the ether that they were related because they didn't say that they were. Um, and you know, Twitter does generally tell you why things go down and, and, and what happened. Um, but I, I do want to put this out. It's like right now after the Elon Musk thing, you know, you've got internal employees saying that it's basically, you know, just all kind of crazy stuff. I, I think what is the exact stack here? Um, you know, uh, Twitter employees are stating that no one is in charge and that Twitter internally is a shit show. That is an actual mm-hmm. quote. The, these That's are employees, high ranking employees under the, uh, you know, under the auspice of anonymity. How do you say that word? Anonymity? They're being anonymous. Anonymity. Yeah, that anonymity. word right there. <laughs> under that, they're saying that it is, is really bad there right now. So you just have to wonder. Like I said, I'm not saying that these things are all related. And I'm not saying that they're not related either. Like, I'm like you said, like that. they, they I think could it's be. The rogue, some rogue employee is just like, F it, you know what I mean? I'm going out in the blaze if I have to, like Tupac and Juice and, and cr- creating havoc just for havoc's sake. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, like I said, it's, uh, you know, Twitter for me or is, I think even though I, I hate to, I hate to brush in here, but I just got another conspiracy theory. 
Or I think it could, honestly, the way Elon Musk operates at this point, it would not surprise me if there was a plant in the company that was doing this to further um, bolster his defense that the company is not purchasable. I mean, he's been he's been coming up with this laundry list of reasons why he can't buy this company. You know, it started with the bots, but it has morphed into the layoffs and, and, and other things. I think as he starts to try to build his case for why this company is not purchasable, this would this would play very well into that. Um, so it wouldn't surprise me if if this was all, you know, like I said, part of his evil plan as he sits at home, you know, petting his cat. Um, this this would not surprise me me at all <laughs> but what so the one one of the interesting things that i saw from this um and this is why i think twitter should be probably bigger than they are mainly because i like twitter and it is my primary social media but there was a, a person you know i'm not going to necessarily say their name for you know good or not a good or bad thing but they used to so now that twitter is down they said this on um i believe their whatsapp thread where they have uh, hundreds of people, um, in a particular thread on WhatsApp. So now that Twitter is down, what are we going to do? And somebody said, let's start a discord. And they started a discord. And within an hour, um, you know, of starting that discord, like around eight 30, you know, that morning at like nine 30 that morning, they had a discord with like 2,300 people on it. Um, and it's like, so, you know, can you do other stuff? Yeah. And people are saying, oh, well, do you want to pull all your, you know, your eggs in the discord basket? And it's like, you know, the point was, well, discord is up right now. Twitter's not. So it's like, what difference does it make where I'm putting my eggs? But it just goes to show this, like when, when you have these big social media platforms that Earth uses, when they go they down, fail. it is it is absolutely disruptive. And people are literally starting discord channels so that they can actually still have their conversations the way they used to have them. So is it disruptive in the sense that things will, well, not things. Is it only disruptive because we have trained ourselves to be somewhat reliant on Twitter? Twitter is not a um, power plant. Twitter is not a system of government. Twitter not a water is not, purification no, facility. It's not some economic <laughs> financial you, center. It's not I'll give you a juxtaposition. It is it, it's a meaning, it's a means for communication. Just like you said in the other your previous statement, we will find a way to mm-hmm. communicate. We'll jump off of Twitter, get on Facebook or Discord or something else out there. So while or this was a disturbance. <laughs> Yeah, or while this was a interruption and we were inconvenienced, I don't think that is the same thing as Twitter is too big to fail, in my opinion. No, I, I, I would agree because Twitter was, I was annoyed that I could not retweet the thing I was trying to retweet when I was trying to retweet it. Oh. If you go back to that Rogers telecommunications outage last week, people couldn't call 911 when no, they right. needed right. the popo. Right. They couldn't so call 911 because they crib caught on fire. They, you know, um, you had, you know, a concert that had, you know, tens of thousands of tickets sold. Nah, we're going to just not do this concert because we think it's unsafe because so many people don't have cell coverage. So that's not the same thing. 
Yeah, once again, we're talking about, you know, um, you know, less than an hour of Twitter being down. But even if it would have been down for the amount of time that Rogers was down, I don't think that you would have had essential services affected by it mm-hmm. in the same way that when, oh no, so we really can't get to the internet right now. No kind of way. Oh, like, uh, you wouldn't have been able to talk I to can't. the American Airlines chatbot about why your <laughs> flight was yeah, late. So <laughs> that was pretty much it. So, yeah, so I'm glad I'm glad that you uh, did want to point out the differences in those things. Yeah, this this was an annoyance. That was I can't remember what the exact quote was, but I think that uh, Reuters, I'm saying it right this week. Stephanie, I think Reuters actually coined it as a uh, interruption to everyday life or something to that effect. It was like, you know, significant, um, you know, the way that they were actually putting it out. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. So another story um, that we want to talk about, and it just makes you just not feel good about companies that generally we should feel good about because when I think about Uber and all the stuff that Uber does, it, it's just a cool sir. When you think about, I got this app on my phone and I can, I can get a ride relative. Well, people, I'm not going to say me and Terrence, but people can get rides, you know, you know, relatively easily, uh, you know, in this, that's kind of cool. But then you see how uh, the company is doing stuff when they know they're yeah. doing it. So, so Uber basically here's the story. Down. Uber is settling a lawsuit um, over weight fees for disabled passengers. So I want to say back in 2016, um, Uber instituted a two minute, uh, you know, limit on the amount of time they would, uh, the, you know, you would not be charged while waiting for your, while your Uber driver is waiting for you to actually get into the car. So the reason they did this is because the drivers were saying, Hey, I'm sitting out here for 20 minutes and I'm not getting paid while I'm waiting on this person to come out. So, Good on Uber for actually, you know, instituting this. I mean, but, cabs do that. Meter, yeah. the meter's running, you yeah, know, that whole running. thing. So, yeah, but so two minutes. No problem with that. Um, but they have disabled, uh, you know, uh, customers who are using the service where just by the nature of their disability, it takes them longer than two minutes to get into the ride. You know, they've got to potentially fold up a, a wheelchair, potentially they're blind and they have to be guided to the car. There's all kinds of things that come into why you would get past that two minutes. Uber knew that they were disabled and these were the reasons why they were actually being longer than two minutes, yet they still charged them that, you know, the, uh, the, you know, the longer than two minute fee. So, so let me make like, sure I understand. Well, let me make sure I understand. If I am an Uber driver and I pull up to your place mm-hmm. and I let you know via the Uber app that I am right. outside. Yeah. It are, is Uber saying or are, were drivers waiting the two minutes, not seeing anybody come out the house and then 
flick a switch to charge this two minutes? Or did the driver see the person recognize they were disabled and from them recognizing they were disabled to them actually getting in the car and doing all the things that they have to do, like you said, Rob, fold up wheelchairs or just slower than an able-bodied person where they then tagging them with the two minute wait time because if I'm an Uber driver and I pull up and it's when I tell you I'm here, the meter's running and then you just, you come out of the house as a regular person two minutes later. Yeah. But if I'm, if I'm an Uber driver and then the second I see that, okay, you're disabled or I can tell that you are uh, whatever the case may be, right? are the drivers uh, starting that or I guess where's in the process? If I had to guess, that? I would say that it's probably Uber. I, yeah, cause, no, because don't guess. You, that's, when, that's actually correct. Yeah. If, okay. When you when the driver pulls up, they have to enable something. You get that text message that says your driver's outside. Mm-hmm. That happens in the app when they mm-hmm. b- right before they pull away, they press mm-hmm. something and drive. So I think okay. that whatever mm-hmm. that time is, is whatever that time is. Gotcha. And they I don't think the drivers get to dictate what is happening right. during that two okay. minutes okay. to say, okay. well, oh, this was a person that was struggling to get to the car. Let me stop right. this process because they shouldn't be fined. I think right. once they once they pull up and you get that text that they're there, and the clock is running. Th- that that clock starts right then. Mm-hmm. And if and if it's and if it's more than two minutes, once they press that little button to, to drive away, then mm-hmm. you get you get fined. And 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 you right. do need to take consider into consideration the fact that not everybody is going to be able and i'm like shoot the way y'all be parking and y'all don't park where mm-hmm. i where y'all say y'all gonna be it might take me two minutes just to find a car you know what I mean? or on the, at flip- the airport or or anything like that it might take me a couple extra minutes just to even find the car so like i think two minutes is just really an unreasonable number out it is it is and, and this story side, isn't though. even about the two minutes it's just about the fact that uber knew that it had disabled customers that were booking these rides and, and that it would by the nature of their dis- so when you order an Uber and you need a chairlift that's a special mm-hmm. thing that you do so they know that you need a chairlift so it's kind of like well wait a minute in order for me to get my chair into the car or to get strapped in or you know or, or into the vehicle to you know to get it strapped in all these kind of things if that's like a 7 minute process but you still charge me Mm -hmm. You know, the extra five minutes because we didn't pull off in two minutes. That is like a special kind of horrible because Uber knew that they were doing this. That that's, that's one of the reasons why they hit them with the the penalty that they did. Um, and they're actually going back and trying to, uh, you know, make, uh, some of these people that were affected, you know, directly by this hole as well in this lawsuit. But they're, they're getting hit with this big fine because you knew you were doing this and you still did it because why extra money? Yeah, and two that's minutes what's... in general. They'll say two minutes yeah. in general is a short amount of time. But, you know, on the flip side, I get it. I can imagine. You have to do something. I, I, ima- I can imagine an Uber driver. Well, I'm either I'm making money on the side or this is my full time gig or whatever the case may be. I can imagine Friday, Saturday night pulling up to somebody's house or pulling up to the bar or the restaurant or wherever Mm -hmm. the person's come out of and people being inconsiderate, people being privileged and pull up and I'm ready. And they're not even ready. And then I didn't or they texting the Uber driver back. All right. It's going to be 10 minutes. I'm waiting on my friend or Mm -hmm. you're in the club or the restaurant and you get the Uber. 
call the car too early, yeah. wanting mm-hmm. to make sure and, they're and, there. Right. But you and ain't ready to go yet. And then if I'm the Uber driver, I'm sitting outside for 10 minutes while you t- uh, uh, close your tab out with mm-hmm. the restaurant before you come out. You know, Time I mean, is money. it's like. Right. I have no problem with that because why wouldn't I get paid? I'm providing you a service. I'm, you know, you're the one that's not ready. I'm ready. So yeah, I don't have a problem with the two minutes, even though that might be kind of quick. I don't have a problem with the two minutes. I think it could be five. It's five for Uber Black and and Uber SUV. So I think it could Mm. be a standard five. I think that's not unreasonable to just say, give them five minutes Mm. to come out here. Um, I just think two is, two is just, it's it's crazy. And and especially, especially if, Cause I've called Ubers, um, when I'm ready to go, especially like to mm-hmm. the airport or whatever. And mm-hmm. just based and, and if there happens to be somebody right here in my area, they may get to me in 30 seconds cause they might be on the next block or, or up the street mm-hmm. or whatever. So they may get to me in 30 seconds. However, for me to turn the lights off in my house, pick up my bag, walk down two flights of stairs, unlock my front door, lock the front door on the other side. The way my house is situated, I'm walking at least 50 yards in either direction to either get mm-hmm. to the street or get to my driveway, the way my house right. that could be, could be two minutes, two and a half mm-hmm. minutes could, yeah, to, could, you know, could just to get out. Just, just the walking part of it could be two and a half minutes. Right. And then sometimes with the way, like I said, my house is situated to where it's not super, super easy to find. So they typically will go to the closest major intersection, which is now across the street from my house. So now mm-hmm. I'm doing the 50 yards out of my little complex. Plus I got to get across the street and, and then find this person and verify the the license plate. Cause are. I'm not getting in the Uber until I verify the license plate. And then maybe I got a bag that got to go in. So it's just like, that's give me five minutes, bro. Dad, you yeah. know what and I mean? So like I said, personally, and and I, I get all that. I just want to make sure that I put it out there that this story is not about the two minutes. It's about yeah. them charging disabled passengers right. beyond the two minutes when they know good and well, it's going to take them longer than two minutes to load up a wheelchair or have like, you know, like to the examples they gave was loading a wheelchair up or a blind passenger needing to be guided to the actual car. Yeah, so, so like I said, that, that, that's, that's different. That has nothing to do with whether it's two minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes. It's, it's you are charging people, uh, for something, uh, you know, for an accommodation that the, you know, that, you know, what is, what is the, uh, the law, the, uh, American with Disabilities, uh, Act? I believe that is, uh, you know, yeah, you know. That's that's just a no no, and it's just like you knew you were doing this. That that's that's the thing. It wasn't like, yeah, oh my bad, wrong. this is an accident. It's like, no, no you wrong. knew that this was happening, and you still decided to do it. And all this thought- stuff, and all this stuff, um, Uber is just now still trying to dig out from that previous CEO, Travis, yeah, Kalanick. <laughs> Kalanick, I think this was one of those things on his way Probably out. Probably a, so. a leftover from yeah. him. Exactly. Oh, yeah, because this lawsuit started, uh, he was still there when it started. In 2016, so. right. Yeah. So, you know, Uber right now may be a better, a better service, a better place to work, you know, but they still, this news is still news. <laughs> so right. a lot of people will probably read this today and be like, Oh, I ain't using Uber when actuality, you know, they may be turning a corner. But all this stuff, they still well, got to be let, out. Of. Let's hope so, right? <laughs> let Let's hope so. Uber, give us five minutes. That's all I'm saying. Give 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 <laughs> Give your girl five minutes to get down the steps. My goodness. 
So, y'all, this this last story, uh, we're going to spend a little bit of time on it. Um, but I, I read through a, a bunch of different articles. So you can see I marked up our notes all kind of ways with this on, on ways I want to talk about this. But but let me just go ahead and tell the people what the story is about. So over 600 business education and nonprofit leaders teamed up with Code.org to issue a call to state governments and education leaders to bring more computer science opportunities to K-12 students across the U.S. Essentially, what folks like Bill Gates, Jeff Bezos, Tim Cook, Mark Zuckerberg, Satya Nadella, and so many other CEOs and tech industry leaders are calling for is that computer science be added to the core curriculum taught in K through 12. So basically, when you think about the core curriculum, we're talking about reading, writing, math, social studies, and science. They want a sixth thing to be put in there, computer science. And me personally, I think that's an excellent idea. What's your take? I mean, I'm not mad at it, but pay for it. You know what I mean? Like That's I, what I was you know, gonna I, say. I, I looked at I Write looked at check, the sir. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I looked at the um you you put the reference in there, uh there's a there's a website, CEOs for CS, CEOs F-O-R-C-S dot com. There are hundreds of of names on that petition, you know, to to bring computer science or whatever. And and there's no reason all of those names can't cut a check. So that there is a meta innovation lab or an Apple innovation lab or a Microsoft innovation lab in every school in this at country the school, right. at the school. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. if you want and if y'all was cutting the check, the school board would not fight you. I, I promise you. No, I know it can be a little not. hard for education. You to change curriculum and Red stuff like tape. that. But, yeah. but I promise if you coming in there with a check, they not fighting that. And you you and, and a computer lab. Come on. So it was like, <laughs> I, you know, I appreciate. The, the call to action. Um, but it, it feels a lot like optics and, 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 and window dressing because cut a check, cut a check. That's all I got to say. Cut a check. Mm-hmm. Um, somehow I knew that's where this was going to go. And I agree <laughs> with that. Um, that being said, I still think that regardless of whether, uh, these companies and organizations and some of them are cutting checks, very large checks, checks for hundreds of millions. Um, but it's going to take more than that. We're probably talking about in the billions when you talk about curriculum mm-hmm. across, you know, the, 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 the U.S. So but it's they not got going it. to be. They got it. They, they, they got it. But they got it. That, that I get. Right. But they I want to talk it. about why the reasons, uh, why this is necessary. So, so, you know, so when I started looking through this and I'm looking at some of the stats that are putting out, he's like, you know, um, the United States, at least for right now, we're still number one in technology in the world. Um, I think at some point we're probably oh, going to be overtaken by China, but right now we are still number one. We but we only on to that spot for dear life, boys. Yeah, we only have, and this was interesting to me. Only five percent of our high school students have computer science, um, you know, as part of their curriculum. Five percent. I was thinking I that like, it would be way higher than that, but like I only five percent. Like we did have that in my high. I think we had AP computer science in my high school. I feel, did I take it? I'm trying to remember. I feel like there. Well, was see, that's the thing. Science. You had the option to take it as a uh, as an elective right. but it wasn't part of the core it would, no it curriculum. definitely was not yeah no. so 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 when when it, you know so when you look at this it's like only 5% of high school students are choosing to take those you know those advanced computer classes in high school and actually you know, like, like you said, you took AP, you know, calc or you took, you know, uh, you know, uh, college prep biology one or two or something like that. Only 5% of the folks are actually doing computer science. And I'm like, that is woefully, woefully low. 
So, you know, so, so one of the reasons computer science is usually an elective, uh, in a lot of schools, but here's the problem for folks who look like us, uh, you know, for, you know, for black and brown folks and poor white folks. This is, uh, you know, something that a lot of schools, they just don't have the budget. So, you, you know, you jumped right on at the beginning, Stephanie, about if you're going, if you're going to make this call, you know, come with the money behind it. Mm-hmm. A big reason we need that money is because the school is not, the, you know, not for a lack of wanting to. They simply don't have the reason. They don't have no internet access. They do don't this. have laptops yeah. or tablets. Conversely, like- conversely, right. I have it, like I mentioned at the top of the show, I have a high schooler going to the high school. And she's in band. She's not band. She's doing color guard, but that's all part of the band. She's a flag mm-hmm. person, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> this blew my mind. I took a picture. I was at the uh, orientation for uh, the band for the fall semester, and they put up the budget for the band, and it was three hundred and forty thousand dollars for their budget and i sat back in my chair and thought the band not the school and not even the football team because you know the football team got twice that and the football team got twice that the band has a budget of three hundred and forty thousand. Yo, your property and, taxes must be off the chain that's not even <laughs> you saying 340 that's not a lot that is that is not a lot for 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 band. So here here in Ohio we have the Super Division One school. So these school there are schools here that are uh, like like my daughter's uh, school. I want to say there's like twenty eight twenty nine hundred students. But there are schools in Ohio that are four or five thousand students. So when you start talking about their A band, their B band, their C band, those budgets are in the millions of dollars. Yeah, just because great. of how many students they have. So uh, so yeah, comparatively you know, it, speaking. Coming down to one of these little black schools, that's that's, a lot of money. that's the same money for the whole yeah. daggone school district. Right. So, right. <laughs> for, all for that everybody say, for books and everything need, else. Mm-hmm. If 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 these tech companies really wanted to make a difference, they could partner or whatever you want to call it with a school. And, and say, make a hey, multi-year commitment to to raise point to, in the uh, comments. We want more emphasis <laughs> on. X, Y, and Z. While it will probably, it won't be a core thing because again, that's a whole societal shift in how Americans go through the educational system to add computer science to the core. They could get the emphasis that they want. They could get it pushed through if they went granular and partnered with these schools. They could Mm -hmm. get the job done. Mm Mm-hmm. And just pick some feeder schools and, and, and make, like I said, make a multi-year commitment um, and say, we are going to stick with you for 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, and, and make sure every eighth grader gets this robust exposure to this thing. And, and, and we will make sure they get laptops. We'll make sure they're wired for access. We'll make sure they get the instruction from world-class people that we will provide. Um, it, it, they could do it if, if they had the intention to do it. I, I, you, you won't be able to convince me that the companies can't play a bigger role um, in this process. Because they have. I, I think when the they tried to, when they dropped all, when they, these <laughs> parents is going haywire over all of this. What was the, uh, the thing that they're, um, 
the they CRT. don't want slavery taught in school. Yes, yeah, CRT. CRT. Mm-hmm. As fast as these schools change Quick, up the curriculum for that, they can take a change up some stuff. They can switch it on up for computer science. That's so, right. So, so I want to take it off That's of the, right. the the six hundred CEOs that are calling for it, and just uh, you know, get your guys take on. Is this something that just the school boards, the board boards of education and locales, should they be looking at this? Because when you start to think about uh, the jobs of the future, this is, you know, you know, coding or on some form or fashion or understanding it, or at least understanding how the thought process is to get some of this stuff done is just absolutely required for, you know, for jobs in the future. And if, if school is ultimately to prepare you to move out into the world, to do something productive, mm-hmm. Do you have to start thinking about, uh, you know, getting some of these, you know, getting some of these things done? And like I said, I, I am definitely with, you know, oh, these I 600 companies think- literally make hundreds of billions of dollars a year yeah. in profit. Yeah. You know, I you know, come off some Apple money and this stuff can happen. I, I get that. Dollars. No, yeah. I, be- I absolutely I- agree that you should be teaching something like this. I don't know that, like, I think to Terrence, well, I don't know if you're going to get a whole curriculum in there because, because everybody ain't wired this way, number one. Mm-hmm. But I think there is a good space for like one intro class. And then some kind of logic class or something that that you could make mm-hmm. a part of a, a permanent curriculum. Um, I don't. I, I I would be hard pressed to see an entire kind of computer science, you know, curriculum. But if if it was like everybody in the school has to take intro to computer science, then I, yeah, I, th- I think that would be a mm-hmm. really good place to start. So I want to, you know, just uh, pivot a little bit to well, why are these CEOs? Why, why are these companies? Why are they doing this? You know, what is in it for them? Well, they absolutely know that they don't have the workforce for the jobs of tomorrow. And when I say tomorrow, I literally mean Tuesday. We're recording on Monday night. I literally Mm -hmm. mean Tuesday. They don't have the, you know, they don't have the talent to fill these roles. So the USA has over 700,000 open computing jobs right now. And we only put out about 80,000 computer science graduates a year. So that is a thing to where you're not going to be able to fill the jobs fast enough because the other, you know, when you start to think about this, one of the problems that a lot of these companies are running into is that baby boomers and older generation Xers are retiring and they're coming out of the workforce at a faster clip than what people are coming into it. And that's, you know, and that, that's, that's not even taking into account the fact that there's already a 700,000 um, job uh, hole that you've actually got to backfill for. Also put in there that I think there might be a little age discrimination happening um, in some that, of these companies but I'll let you as well, because the the whole idea of culture fit is is why a lot of these mm-hmm. companies don't have the people that they have because you rely on this you rely on white boys and hoodies to to fill all these spots and you're not going to get enough white boys and hoodies to fill the spots so you and have to start looking at other types mm-hmm. of people to come fill the spots and they just and refuse one of the- to do it. And one of the ways they do it is you got to have a five year bachelor's degree, this and that, and this and that. And they use these resumes to filter mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. even even um, um, what's the word? Um, stop somebody from even applying because they don't think they're qualified just based oh, yeah. on they, the they can't keep you that, out. Yeah, they can't keep probably, you out. And that's the thing. It's like y'all, 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 y'all going y'all going to culture fit yourselves out of business. Basically, mm-hmm. because you're not mm-hmm. going to have enough people to to 
do the work that this company needs to keep running. And, and it's up, it's up to them. You know, at this point, I don't know what to tell y'all about this pipeline and, and everything else. It's up to y'all. It's, it's a bunch of other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was great to say, like, out there that can code, but y'all don't want to get y'all don't want to hear there's that. It ain't just about coding. There's all kind of tech all guys. kinds. We, you know, we, we get so caught up on coding. There's it so just, many no code apps out there right now. It's not about the coding. It's about the logic and just being able to think through logic. if yep. this, then that, you know, type of logic. And it ain't even, uh, I mean, I'll even go simpler than that. Just learning Excel. <laughs> for dog, <laughs> you know, I mean, there's technical you, things you can work at just Microsoft <laughs> Excel, you know, that you could get a quote unquote tech job just because you have mastered Microsoft Excel. So it's mm-hmm. like, it's you true. know, a lot of people just believe, okay, well, it'd be intimidating is the word I was looking for before. A lot of kids will look at computer science and be like, oh, it's coding, you know, because I'm, I'm right. dealing with that. Be honest, I'm dealing with that right now with my 12 year old. And she's a gamer and she's YouTube and all these things. And I'm trying to get her to understand that, okay, well, daddy is trying to, you know, get you to take this, um, uh, computer class, not because I want to get you the code, because like you said, Rob, Rob, the logic it takes for you to be able mm-hmm. to say A, B, and C can help you when you are learning how to or want Do to. Do anything. Those skills apply to anything. Right, right. And Mm -hmm. that will make you a better uh, content creator because you're learning, okay, I got to do this, to do this, to do this. And that's what computer classes can help you do. So uh, it's it's not just about programming. It's not just about coding, but we have to get these kids or these uh, employees, these potential tech, you know, uh, workers to see that, okay, well, yeah, every time you looked at LinkedIn or every time you get on Twitter or social media, everybody's pushing developers or, you know, uh, s- senior design engineers. It ain't just that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we, we've talked about a couple times, uh, episodes back on this show about the number of African Americans that are actually moving first time into tech careers. Literally the pandemic said, you know, I, I got laid off and I can't go find another job because we literally aren't allowed to go outside. What can I do? Oh, well, let me take this six week boot camp. Let me take this three month boot camp. And there are a lot of folks who look like us who are doing that. And they're walking into jobs where they're making, you know, uh, twice what they were making before they moved into tech, three times what they were making um, before they moved into tech. That is real. We, you know, I see stories about this daily. Um, you know, on Twitter and on LinkedIn where, Hey, I just finished my boot course, you know, my boot camp. And before I even finished, I have a job waiting for me when I get done. This, this is not all you, you know, gotta do is follow Afrotech. Stuff. Like literally yeah. every third post yeah. on Afrotech's Instagram is, you know, a TikTok somebody of somebody mm-hmm. talking about how they got a new tech job. So they, mm-hmm. there are jobs to be had out there. Definitely. Yeah. And we, we've also talked about, uh, you know, there are some, you know, some big tech companies, some big philanthropic folks uh, like Bill and Melinda Gates. Uh, I'm sorry, I can't think of her name, but what is Jeff Bezos' ex-wife? Um, um, yeah, I forget. I, I, I'm sorry. I can't, I I, I'm, think, I'm thinking um, of the story off the top of my head right now. I didn't have it in my notes, but I want to say a, a little while back, she gave like 150 mil to uh, a McKenzie? bunch of HBCUs or something like that. And her name uh, McKenzie? I, I just, yeah, Mackenzie Bezos. Yeah, Mackenzie Bezos. Yeah, yeah. She, yeah she been, oh, uh, she's been handing out money like what? So, so, so they're doing it. And once again, I'm always thinking, um, well, well, why are they doing that? So, so here are some stats. 
Um, believe it or not, uh, well, you, it's easy to believe this, that African Americans actually are doing worse when it comes to tech degrees than they were six years ago. Um, you know, uh, four years ago. That's not hard to believe, but white folks too. So there, there are less white folks getting computer science degrees today than there were, um, in 2018. Um, but here's some other things that are true. Um, HBCUs, there's 101 of them, um, in the United States. Uh, they make up 3% of college, uh, you know, in this country, but they put out 10% of black, uh, computer science degrees, mm-hmm. uh, every year. So these big tech companies are saying, point. wait a minute, goes- we can put this money here and it's actually going to get a return for us. So it, it just goes right to Stephanie's point. Y'all pipeline is messed up. Right. <laughs> right. I mean, the, the stats and the numbers is out there. And ultimately, I think it's funny, uh, that. These tech companies are are pushing, for lack of a better term, pushing the government to uh, make a change in how our kids are learning with education. Then be the main tech companies that want less government involvement and less oh, regulation. Yeah. So it's like, oh, all right, do well, y'all really want the want government cake, or don't you? Which one is it? Oh, well, well, you know what? <laughs> they have to get the talent where they can get it. Um, You know, let's call a spade a spade. The last administration, they put the kibosh on H-1B visas. I mean, mm-hmm. they, they clamped that stuff down. Um, We were, uh, you know, I, I want to say two thirds of people coming into this country on that type of visa were, were, were going into tech. Mm-hmm. Well, if you, if you, uh, these, you know, here's the thing. IBM still wants to make money, even though they can't get the, uh, you know, the workforce that they were getting, um, you know, from, you know, from other countries. So it's like, okay, well, if we, if we can't get them out of other countries, maybe we now have to start looking within. I, I didn't mean to say IBM and just companies like IBM that, you know, I'm not, right. not calling them out specifically, but, but um, but that is a big part of this. <laughs> we, if we can't go get the talent outside of the country, then we have to home grow it inside of the country. And when you look at right. only 5% of high school students are even looking at this stuff in high school before they get to college, that, that is problematic. And like I said, 700,000 jobs when you only have 80,000 people with degrees each year coming out doing this stuff does not go away, uh, you know, quickly. And Terrence, to your point, um, you know, back in the day when I actually was an executive in, you know, you know, big, you know, IT companies, uh, you know, a conversation that we had all the time. Um, because I was, you know, literally hammering tables. Why can't we be more diverse? Why is it that we, you know, we have this kickoff and there are 2000 people here and 16 look like me. Um, and that's not an exaggeration. Um, well, we don't know where to go. And it's like, have you actually tried an HBCU? They know. Well, they no, know. they know. And exactly. it's like, they you know, know. so we, if we you, so the, the, the data is there. If HBCUs are putting out, they're, they're only 3% of the colleges and universities in the country, but they're putting out 10% of the people who actually, you know, of black folks who get computer science degrees, then use that logic. If this, if that, then this, you know, it, you know, you, you can make that, you know, you can make that kind of a leap. Well, if we go to the place where they're putting out the most people who look like this that we say we can't get, maybe we can get some of the people we say we can't get. Have we tried that they yet? They don't want to. They don't want so, to. The, the, the will well, you know what? I also it, think it, there might be one not more thing. thing. One more thing I was thinking about, though, um, as far as like why we're not seeing more African-Americans or even more, you know, white folks uh, going into computer science. I feel like, you know, with the, with the, with the way people make entrepreneurship look so sexy and founders and, mm-hmm. and especially 
non-technical founders. I think people have figured out the cheat code that you don't need to know how to code. You just need a real, real good CTO on your team um, to do all that stuff. And, and they can go and find those people overseas still uh, with, and, and you don't need to bring them here because you're working remotely. So I feel like a lot of the startups, I don't know. I, I just feel like a, there's a lot. It, it just feels like a lot of non-tech founders, um, flooding the market basically these days. Oh, so you're not getting a whole lot of lot. people that even care to get that, um, that, that, that technical background, that computer science background. Um, th- there are a lot. Um, all three of us are entrepreneurs. Um, I, 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 you know, I love entrepreneurship, particularly in our in our community. But that being said, there's nothing wrong with learning a skill or learning a trade uh, that you have that can take you into a job. I'm not I'm not being facetious when I say there are folks with four or five years experience who are making upwards of two hundred thousand dollars a year in IT. Yeah. Um, are there other professions that that is the case? Yeah, I'm certain that there are. I just can't think of any off the top of my head right now. But, um, you know, IT is one of those places to where you can literally have a few years of experience and be making well over, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars. And it's not even so much based off, well, yeah, if you're living in San Francisco and you can't afford to live there anymore, you got to listen to the tech giant. We do shows on this. That is not the case. There are tech, tech hubs everywhere. One of the things, um, you know, the code, code.org in this letter that they put out, these CEOs are saying that you don't have to move across the country to get these mm-hmm. jobs. We're making the jobs available, um, you know, in your area. So once again, companies, you need to put money into the system so that people can actually, you know, so that, you know, schools can actually do this when you know there is no budget. But on the backside, if, if, if the jobs are going to be there, they're going to be in your area. You know, it used to be if you wanted to get a job in IT, like if you go back into the, you know, the eighties, the early nineties, well, you had to move to the city where IT was happening. Um, IT is happening everywhere now. So you just need to have the skill set and you can pretty much stay where you are. Now, if you're in North Dakota, are you going to make what you would make if you were in, you know, Palo Alto? Maybe not, but you can absolutely make a, a great career that is going to be well above the median income, you know, and pretty much wherever you are. So I just thought that this was a, you know, an interesting story. Uh, I knew exactly how it was going to go, uh, on this show, I but mean, I still think it's something day, that we need to like talk about. Put up or, put up or shut up. Put up so, or shut up. uh, you know, I would imagine we probably don't have a lot of kids listening to this, but I would imagine that we have a lot of parents of kids who are listening to this. Steer your children into it you don't have to turn them into a programmer you don't have to turn them into you know a coder maybe they will turn into that on the you know on their own because that you know they, they they get bit by the bug and they like doing it but you you're doing a disservice to your child if you do not at least show them the possibilities that are available to them um you know with tech That's um right. it is so much easier to make it as a cybersecurity specialist than it is to make it as a defensive tackle I can tell you from personal experience. I can tell you that, but um, I'm pretty sure, and this is a conversation for another day, maybe the after party. Um, I'm pretty sure these tech um, job workers making over $200,000, I bet they call in a plumber when they toilet get jacked. Uh, you know what? <laughs> that, that, right. that, that is or off an electrician. Show. Or an HVAC. Somebody it, else is painting a house. Or, I, I bet these tech uh, workers with these uh, analytical skills ain't <laughs> digging up their backyard when it, you ain't when said they, nothing right there. sump pump get messed listen, up. <laughs> listen. <laughs> listen. That is definitely 
That is definitely some, uh, some after party. That's, that is definitely after party. We, we'll talk about that at after party and we may have to actually bring Matt for a show. The, you know, the, the non-tech John John or something like that. You know, you know, who bring who back the Votech. Forget yeah. the tech. Bring exactly. back the Votech. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so y'all, I love having these conversations. Uh, they're so fun to have. Um, but we're at the end of the show. So we need to do something we haven't actually done in a couple of weeks. Stephanie, I believe you have a spotlight for us this week. So why don't you go ahead and tell us who we are spotlighting this week? Well, today, class, we are spotlighting Brenda Darden Wilkinson, Wilkerson, excuse me. Brenda Darden Wilkerson is a passionate proponent for student, women, and underrepresented communities' access to technology in education, industry, and innovation. She has established herself as a social justice advocate and an education policy creator, author, and speaker, and currently leads an international tech women's advocacy organization. AnitaB.org. After years in the tech industry, Wilkerson found her way into education. Just prior to her new role as president and CEO of the Anita Borg Institute, she served as the director of computer science and IT education for CPS and led, that's the uh, Chicago public school system, and led the computer science for all program, which works towards establishing computer science education policies and standards in the Chicago public school system. She brings the same passion and drive to her new leadership role at AnitaB.org. Wilkerson also worked to develop a program of study for the Early College STEM Schools Initiative. The curriculum for this program seeks to prepare students for the technological jobs of the future and the students graduate with both a high school diploma and an associate's degree in information technology. She also stresses that there are multiple pathways to a meaningful career in tech besides the traditional BS, MS, PhD, providing opportunities for people of all backgrounds to decide to contribute to tech throughout their lifetimes. On an international level, Wilkerson continues to establish collaborations with other nonprofits, corporations, and college partners to increase opportunity and diversity of the tech workforce. And I picked her specifically, uh, or we are, we didn't pop out or did we just, no, 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 spotlight no I me? just, okay. I just spotlighted um, I picked, you. I picked her specifically because of our main story. Um, because why isn't this woman, woman's calendar full consulting for all these CEOs for CS to replicate whatever she did in the Chicago public school system and with her STEM thing in schools around the country? Like, that's a rhetorical question. And you, right? and you said uh, the right, Chicago public school system, the yes. third largest public school system yes. in the United States. Yes. So she. Okay. We did exactly what these companies are crying. No one is out here doing. But did y'all talk to Ms. Wilkerson? Had y'all did y'all get Brenda up in the in the, in the conference room to have a have a quick conversation, real quick? Like I, I would have to think probably not. Um. So like, stop. Put up or shut up. That's all I got to say. You know, put up, <laughs> y'all signing petitions <laughs> and and there's there's so much other stuff y'all could be doing besides this this dog and pony show um, they could be lobbying the government like they do with everything else like they do <laughs> whenever they want government. anything else exactly now you, now you beg and plead instead right, of lobbying right. <laughs> like a, no, I, I was looking at the list of companies 
like I said, it's, uh, you know, uh, when, when I initially started looking at it, it was just over 500. Uh, today it's over 600. Um, these companies literally, if, if they make trillions of dollars a year a- across them, that's not their profits, but man, they make a lot of money. They, they make hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of billions of dollars, right. so there's just uh, no you know, per year. So they can actually put their money, uh, you know, where the their mouth is. So, some are. Some are, but, uh, you know, it, it's, it's one of those things to where I get what you're saying, but as you're saying, Stephanie, but you can come off with some money to actually help this stuff get done. And, and like I said, there, there are people doing it. It's not like you would have to sit here and reinvent the wheel or build something that has never been built or do something that's never been done. And you have no idea how to get started. And it's such a huge problem. And how do we even wrap our arms around it? And where do we even begin to, to start breaking down the, the real issues? Brenda? Darden Wilkerson. <laughs> Holla you know at your girl. You know what I mean? Like so, call her. Just call her. There, there's a thing, you know, where we you know we get tired of people copping our culture. Well, this is one area where go ahead and cop. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead and call her up. Co- copy what she's doing. That's copy it. what she's doing. That's it. So, so that is an yeah. awesome spotlight. So y'all, that's 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 about it for us. So uh, you know, we we had a, we had a great show this week. Um, we had a spotlight this week. I know some folks actually were missing our spotlights. We haven't had them, so we're gonna, we're going to try to get those for you. I most found week a show. good resource for the spotlight, so we uh, should be pretty consistent okay. for the right. next little while. Anyway, I, I found a few yeah. for the spotlights. So that's awesome. But uh, we're going to go ahead and close the show out. So, Stephanie, why don't you go ahead and tell people how they can get to us or how they can get to you? You can follow me all around the web at Tech Life Steph. Check out my website at tilldeathdetweet.com and stay tuned for StephanieHumphrey.com. Coming soon. All right. All right. All right. You can find me all over the Internet at Brother Tech. It's B-R-O-T-H-A-T-E-C-H. And I am on all the things at Rob Dunwood. And we are also on all the things at the, the tech yacht. And if there's one thing you can do for us to, uh, you know, come hang out with us, uh, head over to patreon.com forward slash the tech John. That is the tech J A W N and come hang out us, uh, you know, with us over on our Patreon. We've got, you know, well over a hundred folks now who are, uh, you know, who are literally supporting the show for all the, you know, for all those that are listening. So come hang out with us over there. We appreciate you. We sure do. Um, and I, this reminds me, we actually had a new patron uh, that I almost forgot, but uh, I'm glad that I just said something about Patreon. So Chris Barr uh, is a new patron supporting the show. So we got to give our shout out to you. So yeah, come hang out with your boy, Chris. He's over on Patreon. Beep. You can Chris. come hang out with Chris on Patreon as well. So Chris Barr, uh, much, much thanks, much love. And with that, y'all, We'll be back in a week's time. Peace. Peace. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.